From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, it's Mike Lieberman, uh, episode 44 of What's Wrong With Revenue. Today we're going to talk about you can't uncover insights buried in your marketing sales and customer service data. Eric, how you doing? Nice to see you. You're in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, I understand, correct? I'm trying to uh, get entrepreneurs down in the Baltimore area to think differently about their sales and marketing. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, so just to remind everybody, if you're interested in the show, you can find it on YouTube. The Square Two Marketing channel has all of our What's Wrong With Revenue episodes posted there. You can like it. You can subscribe to it. You can leave us comments. We really appreciate like, subscribes, and comments. You can also get the show on Square Two's free streaming service, Square Two Plus, located at the Square Two Marketing website. Just go to square2marketing.com backslash Square to PLUS, and you'll get all of our audio and video content right there, just like Netflix. You'll get this show, you'll get Smash the Funnel podcast, you'll get other webinars that we've done, and other audio content that we have as well, all for free, and you can subscribe to it. And when we post something new, you will get notified. If you like the show and you want to provide questions like we're going to handle today, or if you want the show on your schedule and you want to join with us live, or if you want the show emailed to you in an on-demand format, you can just go to square2marketing.com at the bottom. There's a link to What's Wrong With Revenue. You can click on it. You'll see all the What's Wrong With Revenue shows. And like I said, you can ask questions that Eric and I will answer. You can subscribe to the show specifically, and you can also get it thrown on your calendars. You can join us live today on Wednesdays at four o'clock. One bit of housekeeping. Eric, I don't know if you know this or not, but we will be off Next Wednesday, we're taking a very rare and much needed week off of the show. Uh, so don't look for us live, but we will have tons of other episodes for you guys to get access to next week if you still want to continue to work on what's wrong with revenue. And I'll remind everybody at the end of the show again. So today, we're talking about this issue of insight, something that we've talked about at least once or twice on previous shows, but it keeps coming up. We like to do shows that are designed around challenges and ongoing issues that prospects and clients share with us. And this idea of insights in the data is one that comes up quite frequently. Almost every company has reports and almost every company has dashboards or even scorecards, uh, scorecards they're trying to keep track of performance in the areas of marketing, sales, and customer service. Some companies even have really detailed dashboards and more, uh, more specific operational performance tracking um, however, very few of those companies are expert at looking at those dashboards, identifying the insights, pulling them out, and using them to inform their ongoing action plans. So that's something we want to talk about today. What are some of the secrets to uncovering these insights buried in your data, how to pull them out, 
and how to act on them. Some of the things we'll try to cover in the show today, who's responsible for this at your company. It's not a normal skill set. So your marketing people might not be able to do it. Your sales people might not be able to do it. Who really should be looking at this data and trying to uncover these insights? What skill sets and experiences are necessary to actually identify these insights and pull them out? We'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we will also be talking about what processes you should be thinking about from a data analysis perspective and how to execute those processes consistently so you can find these insights. And then any tools or technologies that are necessary to make this a little bit more manageable, we will try to cover that as well today. So Eric, with that as our backdrop, what kind of expertise can you lay on our audience today to kick off our show? Well, today's show is next level. Let's just be honest about that. Many companies struggle to accomplish the basic blocking and tackling necessary to have a good sales, marketing, and customer service revenue generation program. So for the listeners today, this is uh, making the assumption that you have a fair share of the basic building blocks in place. And now you're looking to optimize that program as opposed to building it from scratch. So just want to make sure we set the table or on expectations about what we're going to talk about today. I think that's a really good point. And I'll, I'll just add to that. Despite the fact that you are correct, this is more like uh, 301 than maybe 101, the, some of the things we talk about. It's still a pretty big issue in terms of the companies that we talk to, right? Everyone's looking for results, looking for results, looking for results. There are some people who are desperate for results in terms of their investment in marketing and the technology that they're using and the work that they're extending to, to produce some results, and they're still not getting it. And I think this is one of the issues that are preventing people from actually turning that investment in marketing into results. It's easy to do a lot of things. We typically call it random acts of marketing. It is not easy to turn those activities into measurable results. So uh, while you, I think you're right, more and more companies probably should be looking at this concept of, you know, how do I analyze my data to produce some action plans that can better uh, improve our performance? If they can't do it themselves, they really should be looking for some other people to help them. Yeah, agreed. <clears throat> Today, I was uh, doing a presentation for some entrepreneurs here in the Baltimore, Maryland area. And um, I asked that same question, hey, who's tracking the results of what their marketing is bringing in? And out of a group of, I don't know, 16 to 18 people, one person raised their hand. Uh, that person, by the way, was a, a 301 student, because not only could he track, but he gave us off the top of his head return on investment for a variety of different channels. I explained in that session that it's rare that someone would have that information, let alone have it at their fingertips. But you can only make the assumption that if they were at that stage of the marketing and sales performance journey, then they were doing a lot better than your average company because they were uh, basically immersed in the data and looking for more opportunities to improve their results. Yeah. Was that a marketing person or like a CEO? CEO. Oh, even more impressive. Yep. And did you talk to him about, it was a him, was it a him? Yes, you. Did you uh, <laughs> yes, I shouldn't assume. Did you talk to him about like his team? Like what, what's, what does his team look like to get that level of insight into how they're doing? Because you're right, that really is very rare. Yeah, it, it was actually, he had a big interest in that himself. So he, I assume, would be not only the CEO, but the data analyst at that company. 
Hmm. He explained that this is something of much interest to him, and he really likes to dive into some of those numbers to see if he could direct his modest team. I believe he said he had 70 employees, so we can make the assumption that he had two or three marketing people, two or three salespeople, right? Yeah. Um, But yeah, he said it was a passion of his uh, because of his limited budget. He wanted to make sure he wasn't wasting one penny. Hmm. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. It was unusual and a pleasant surprise. Yeah. So why don't we start at the top? Like, that's a really good example, like, and, and, and an anomaly for sure. Like a CEO that is interested in that level of detail. I was actually talking to someone today who the CEO basically said like, yeah, I don't want to have really much to do with marketing. You figured out. He was talking to his director of marketing. So I think that's probably more, uh, more common than the scenario you found at your Vistage meeting. So you know, if uh, if people are listening and they're in the C-suite and they're they're interested in getting this kind of insight added to what they're doing, who would they th- who who would you recommend they consider for this kind of work inside their company? Who 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 might get the assignment of digging through this data and uncovering these insights? I think based on our experience, it would fall on marketing's uh, lap to figure that part out. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would. I would. Um, especially when you're talking about mid and smaller companies, they don't really have anybody in sales. They don't really have anybody in in operations that would have the, the mindset for this. So it's going to fall on somebody in marketing, I think. And I also don't think I know that one of the reasons this is missing so frequently is the people that they are assigning this to are not really equipped to do this kind of work. So, uh, you know, in our experience, they might know how to get a couple of dashboards set up in their marketing technology platform, but that's probably going to be the extent of which they're going to have any expertise or knowledge around how to create the 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 data streams to uncover these insights. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. You know, lots of time pursuant to the original conversation with this very progressive CEO, the rest of the CEOs of the group were like, well, what should we be doing about this? You know, they felt a little left out. So I boiled it down to, well, pick certain metrics that you want to follow so that you could start to feel the rhythm of what's going on. And we talked about things like um, website traffic, conversion, sales opportunities, and closed deals as a good, you know, four pack of uh, metrics that they could start to follow. Now, what was interesting is none of them had that information handy or even could uh, uh, recount some of the recent uh, metrics that they might have had on dashboards that are available to them. So nobody knew their traffic to their website. They certainly didn't know their conversion rate. They did know their close rate. That was, you know, kind of, uh, I would say 50% of the crowd had a little feel for that. But uh, yeah, it's pretty foreign to most people. Um, I want to also go back to your comment because the CEO falls into that bucket as well. When you're in school for a marketing degree, uh, data analysis is certainly not the main thrust of that, right? Um, There might be marketing strategy, marketing messaging, marketing tactics, but you're right. That is a completely different skill set that when thrown into that position, I think it's unfair for the marketing person to be assigned to uh, uh, glean insights from data. It's a uh, you know, even though it has to do with marketing and sales data, it's a completely different skill set. It is. And actually, I've been kind of casually paying attention to a lot to your point about colleges. A lot of them are now offering a, da- a data, a, a data driven marketing program 
it, it, I'm not sure if it's a degree per se, but it's definitely a concentration. So, you know, to your point, I think the the educational system is starting to recognize this is a whole entire track or a whole entire skill set that is really quite different than what most people uh, get exposed to when they're a marketing major. Or what people consider marketing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone considers what we're talking about marketing, at least not most people. So um, I think you you are finding, especially at bigger companies where they do have people whose only job is marketing operations or revenue operations, and they are, those people are trying to get pretty intimate with the data and, and, and pretty into what could potentially be going on or what needs to go on to improve performance. But Adam, I'm sure at the other 14 Vistage companies that you were talking to, that is not something that they were either thinking about or even considering um, starting to look at. And I do think these programs I'm talking about are really geared more towards marketing people at big companies who are, who are getting asked to start to uncover this kind of stuff on behalf of their leadership groups there. I would agree. So look, uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Give me a little bit of, or at least start the conversation and I'll you know, hop in and, and add some color to some of the skill sets and experiences that you think might be necessary for someone to start to uncover these insights. Well, let's work the other, I'll start by working the other way, right? Like what's the goal of getting insights out of data, right? The goal is better performance. So uh, that better performance has to have an overlay of financial investment. If I invested X in this channel, how are we doing? And then how are we doing compared to other channels? And what could that channel uh, uh, total maximum universe of performance be? And where are we on the spectrum of getting there? So there's a couple of issues inside of that that I think you have to start with of, of the why. Why are we even having this episode? Why is this a problem with revenue, right? So a lot of people... Uh, invest in marketing. And I think it's a leap of faith, right? They take what's commonly done, they invest in it up to the maximum amount that they could tolerate from a budget perspective. And then they hope. Um, the, I think key uh, blinking red light in this conversation is paid advertising, right? Well, we don't really know what else to do. So we'll invest in paid advertising and paid advertising will take a, an easy round number of $10,000 a month invested in paid. Well, that's a good start. At least we're investing in something to drive more awareness or lead generation, whatever your goals are. But then is 10,000 the right number? Should that 10,000 be uh, in paid advertising or other channels? If we invest 10,000 and we get back $5,000 a month in revenue, what's the upside to that? Could we get $50,000 back in revenue if we uh, uh, optimize the program? Like, it's just so flying blindly for most mid-market companies. They're just investing and hoping. So I think that uh, one of the things that the analyst or the person doing the analysis has to do is to set some, you know, uh, borders, you know, put, put up the guardrails about what are we talking about here so that it doesn't get to be this giant multi-tentacled, uh, you know, conversation that gets so complicated. So what I would do is order it by channel first, right? Here are the six ways we generate leads. We get referrals, people find us on the internet, we use paid, uh, we have events, um, we uh, uh, sponsor conferences and uh, one other I can't think of now, right? 
And then let's say, well, what do we expect out of each one? It doesn't have to be dollars. It could be percentages. You know, 50% of our lead should come from referrals, right? something like that. Then you have to start to track it. And then you have to, like you say, you have to really get into the data and feel the rhythm about what's going on. If I change this and watch this for 30 days, uh, what happened, right? Oh, look, these were the results of making this optimization. Should I do it even more aggressively or should I let that lay and then try to optimize another channel? Which channel based on my industry and persona do I really feel that I could maximize versus others? So when I go to a conference, maybe my assumption is I'm going to come back with people I talk to at my booth, right? Okay, that's great. What if I pushed hard and got a speaking engagement for my CEO? How would that impact the results of that conference? Um, if I did search engine optimization and I'm optimizing all the pages on my website, what if I doubled the frequency of my blog posts? Would that help? Like those kinds of questions should be asked, watch, and then gleaning the insights from that. You can decide to cancel the program, lean into it, or somewhere in between. And I think that even thinking that way would be a 301 kind of conversation because most marketing folks are just scrambling to fulfill the basic tactical needs of the company. Hey, we need to do this video. Well, someone could work on a video for two weeks straight and not even pay attention to any of the data that comes in because that's the um, uh, 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 more um, uh, burning uh, 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 to-do list item that everybody's waiting for or talking about. And that's where I think it's like really hard. I mean, you could spend 40 hours a week easily adjusting six different channels. And I don't think CEOs or C-suite folks will allow their marketing people the time and elbow room in order to do that, even though optimizing those six channels might be way more effective than spending more on paid or adding a seventh channel. Yeah, you certainly got a lot in that comment. So I'll like bounce around a little bit. First of all, like to answer this specific question about skill sets, like it's a process. It's someone that can think process. So to your point, you know, what are we trying to accomplish here? Um, like I said, I was talking to this director of marketing who was like, well, where do I start with this? And my advice to him was, well, start with the current set of performance metrics. Like, let's see how you're doing right now before you do anything like, like create a set of benchmarks for a variety of, of key uh, KPIs that you think are important. And, you know, you rattled off a lot of them, you know, website visitors is a really nice top of funnel metric to see how many people are coming to the website. And, you know, conversion rate on the website is a nice way to know how, how good you are at turning those visitors into new contacts. You know, you can then look at the highly trafficked landing pages and highly trafficked website pages and blog articles and, you know, see how they're performing. But, you know, you have to really start with this idea of like, here's where I am today. And like we build these revenue cycles for our prospects so that they can see kind of like click to close how they're doing. And then they tell us what their, you know, goals are from a revenue perspective. And we create a new revenue cycle so they can see what the delta is. Like you need somebody who's going to be comfortable with that kind of analysis and, and that kind of process. Once the benchmark is set, and this is exactly what I said to this person, once your benchmarks are, and you've communicated those to everybody in the company and they can see exactly how you're doing, then you just go through your tactics and identify those that are going to produce the biggest lift for the least amount of effort and start leaning into that. 
and track that performance over time too. You're not probably going to be able to get to everything. It's such a complex set of motions. Like, you know, like even if you're just looking at the website, you know, you have traffic from social, you have traffic from organic, you have direct traffic. What the heck is that? You have, you know, traffic from backlinks, you have traffic from any email that you're doing. Like that alone could be a couple of hours of analysis in terms of which of those sources is producing visitors and leads and qualified leads versus mark, you know, sales qualified leads versus marketing qualified leads. Like you could spend all the whole, the whole week just analyzing your data and, you know, marketing suffers from this legacy of, you know, I'm going to be measured by the stuff I do as opposed to the results I produce. So, you know, when I do launch an email campaign and I do get a new offer on the website, or I do add a new page to my website, or I do get the trade show booth set up, or, you know, like that's usually what marketing used to do. And that's how they got measured was how much stuff they got done. It's hard to move a company's thinking away from stuff to, well, how, how did this person impact our results? That in and of itself, I think is hard for companies to get their head around also. Well, let me look at it. Uh, let me present a, a, a different perspective because what you said is completely accurate. Now, for all the CEOs listening to today's episode, I would think that 90% of them would want the metrics analyzed at the end of the journey because they want to close deals and drive revenue. They don't give the marketing folks the understanding that if they work on the leading indicators, it'll cascade down to more revenue, right. but it's just a longer game. Right. So if they're like, you know, hey, Charlie, help the sales team close more deals. Well, I only have 40 hours a week. If I spend 20 hours on sales enablement flavored activities, I can't then spend the time to, you know, optimize some of the things that you said about traffic to the website. And then that starts that vicious cycle again, because now my pipeline isn't as robust as it should be. My leading indicators are suffering. And now I have to try to close deals that maybe are few, far between or unqualified. So like, please, CEOs, if you're listening, allow the marketing people to work on the you know, beginning of the buyer's journey so that it'll then cascade down into more sales opportunities. You know, that's also another kind of uh, challenge that, uh, that's related to or adjacent to what you just described. Yeah, that's really good advice. And honestly, if you hear nothing else in this show other than that, I can't echo what Eric is saying. It's so important. We've even kind of uncovered that in our own practice recently. You know, uh, clients who are looking for results and asking us for sales leads very often causes us to, to pivot our program in the wrong direction. And, you know, I think that that question is the wrong question to be asking. So, you know, we, you, you have to try to do all of it, but if you're not getting more people to your website, if you're not putting more context in your database, it's going to be almost impossible to get those people to eventually become a sales lead anyway. Research today is it's, it's taking probably 12 to 15 touches before someone is ready to reach out to sales. That supports all the data and research Eric and I have been talking about in all three of our books. People don't want to talk to sales reps. They want to do all this work on their own. And when they're finally comfortable with the company that they've you know, gotten very familiar with and they're starting to trust, and they may have read and, and visited and, and researched and reviewed multiple times before they finally reach out to someone to talk to them about you know, engaging in a sales conversation. So, 
you know, I, I'm going to strongly echo what Eric said, really, really let the marketing people do what they're trying to do from an early buyer journey, mid buyer journey perspective. And you will end up with more leads as opposed to rushing to promote late stage buyer journey offers that honestly, most people are not ready to convert on yet. You're, you're kind of, you know, at that point, fishing in the wrong pond with the wrong bait. You're, you're, it's going to be very unlikely that you catch somebody um, doing it like that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I want to use our company as an example, because one of our six core values is practice what you preach, right? And we're doing all of the things that you said. I wish we had more time and I wish we had more horses to help with the data analysis part of it. But we've been working for years on that beginning of the buyer's journey uh, 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 metrics and improving those. And we get a steady two to three conversions a day. Like someone just raises their hand and says, hey, I'm interested in speaking with you. To some of our listeners out there that have much larger companies, that might not seem like a lot, but for us, it's plenty to keep us driving towards our revenue goals. But if we didn't put in that time two years ago, 18 months ago, 12 months ago, six months ago, to do some of those uh, activities that lead to people engaging with us and then triggering nurtures that take X amount of time for them to identify that these are like a, a square two is the company they should speak with, we wouldn't be enjoying that today. If we stop what we were doing 12 months ago and we only focus on the end of the journey, those two to three conversions might be one conversion every other day and we'd really be up the creek. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about what these insights might look like, because like we're kind of talking about them very theoretically. And I want to like drill into that a little bit and give people some practical examples. So um, to, 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 to be clear, like when you look at... Um, I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. When you look at visitors and then the visitors motion to, to come out of the uh, forest and announce themselves, like that's a pretty, today, that's a pretty complex exercise you're asking them for. I actually have started, you'll probably find this interesting. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I've been using my iPhone's hide my email feature. I don't know if you've seen this yet, but I've been filling out some forms on my phone and the iPhone is voluntarily serving up a completely bogus email address for me to use in the form so that I don't get, you know, marketing emails to my, my regular marketing, my, my regular inbox, right? So there are all these technologies that are making it much more complicated to uncover what's going on, which just simply means we got to get better at it, right? So when you're starting to look at like who's coming to your website, you want to look at uh, the performance of the sources and the energy required to improve the performance of those sources. So just to, to, to stick with something simple, if we're looking at organic search, right? People type in a set of keywords, they find a set of options, they click on it, they land on your website. You know, you want that to be increasing every single month and you want to make sure you know what the levers are that can get that to increase. And this, I think, is where the insights get tricky. There are so many things that impact your site's ability to rank. Content is one of them. Do you have enough fresh content to signal to Google that your site is adding valuable information to the ether? Are your pages built properly? Interestingly enough, you know, we were, you know, here, this is a great example of an insight. We've been looking at Square Two's organic traffic for a long time and trying to crack the code on that and noticed that some of our H1s and H2s were not coded properly, right? Not, you know, just a, it was a, it was a uh, 
common mistake that a lot of people make when the content team doesn't give the development team the proper direction. So they look at a picture and they think, oh, this big, this big copy at the top is the H1, when it easily can be the subtext to that big copy can be uh, identified as the H1 for Google's purposes. So, you know, like you got to dig into the page to see that that's something that needs attention. And if you don't know to look for that, you're, you're never going to know that that's particularly an issue. Um, also, a lot of Google's page speed performance criteria has changed over the past six months. Your site has to load lightning fast sub seconds for Google to feel like you got a good page for it to serve up in its ranking. So like it's a constantly moving uh, uh, target that you need to be aware of. And those are some things that you would need to identify like, okay, organic traffic isn't going up. Now you got to start looking at some of the things that might be causing that not to go up. You have to run some experiments. So you have to make some changes and see if the, the, the performance of that particular metric improves. You know, all the time, making sure you're delivering a good visitor experience for the people who are on your site. So you can't just build everything for Google. You have to, the words have to make sense and the copy has to be engaging. So it's a very tricky set of things that you're looking at. And I've only given you a single narrow slice of one area where insights are interesting. You're going to be looking at those same insights across all of your uh, sources of traffic, including social, like is LinkedIn traffic, the same as Facebook traffic, the same as Instagram traffic, the same as Twitter traffic. Like I know some people who don't spend any time on Twitter because the, uh, the quality of the traffic and the conversions were not what they were looking for. Great. Make a choice. Like you can't do everything. Sometimes you have to carve out something that, that you're not going to do from a marketing perspective also. But, you know, this is just an example of how complex this, this effort is and how hard it is to find the kernels of interesting insights buried in all of this data. And the technology is really not making it easier. In fact, it's making it harder. There's so much data to sift through. In some cases, a lot of people don't even know where to start. Even if I gave you 10 dashboards, I'm not sure you would know like exactly what to do with those dashboards. Okay, that's a hard task. Not to do, but to have the time to think about look at, and then uh, adjust. Let's say, once again, for the CEOs out there that are listening, let's say that that adjustment that Mike just perfectly described would result in two extra clients a year. That's it, just two, one in the first half of the year, one in the second half of the year. If the engagement size is $50,000 and there's a 10% net profit involved in that, that's $5,000 and uh, times two would be $10,000 in extra net profit for just that move. Can you uh, be patient enough to allow your $80,000 a year marketing manager to carve out the time to do that to generate an extra $10,000 in profit? then multiply it by your 12 channels. Now they've not only paid their salary, but they've really contributed to revenue and the revenue that comes from cross-sell, upsell, and existing client relationships. Like it's such a long game conversation to have because you just gave one slice, one facet of one slice of what we should be uh, optimizing, correct? Yes, no, you're 100% right. And I you know, I keep thinking about this analogy you, you made a, a couple shows ago about like buying a machine, right? Like, I just think that's so 
good, such good practical advice for people to think about their investment in marketing, like their investment in a new machine. Like obviously there's more of a manufacturing uh, analogy, but like if I'm going to buy a $250,000 machine, like I'm not expecting that machine to produce results. The first day it shows up in its boxes. I mean, like that, you know, anyone that would be buying that would understand that it has to be set up and it has to be optimized and my people need to be trained on it. And we need to slowly integrate it into our manufacturing process to replace the old machine that we're getting rid of. Like anybody in manufacturing would understand the investment and the life cycle of waiting for that money to pay them back. But they never look at marketing like that. And Partially, I think, is because they haven't really been educated in really what's involved, like we try to do on the show. But I also think there's a lot of people out there who are kind of uh, promoting this idea that there are quick fixes in marketing and that, oh, if you give me money, I'm going to get you leads tomorrow. Like we all get those emails, right? Like, oh, wouldn't you like me to set up six appointments for you tomorrow who are going to all turn into customers? Like those those emails are rampant and and not really helping people understand the kind of work and effort that really needs to go into doing this the right way. Yeah, the machine analogy, just to give you a personal example, you know, my very first business was screen printing, you know, t-shirts, right, promotional products, but mostly about apparel. And I remember once that the operations manager had an insight that the machine ran smoother and without more breakdowns in the winter than it did in the summer. So first, the assumption was what? Heat, right? But it wasn't. And he played around with that until he realized it was humidity that was the issue because the uh, slight, I don't know, layer of water on the machine, you know, kind of clogged it up in the summertime, the ink clogged, the machine didn't run smoothly. And I remember we put up, I guess it was about 50 feet of shower curtain and one $300 air conditioner from Home Depot stuck in the window of where that was. And that brought the um, production of that specific machine up, I don't know, call it 15%, right? In the summer, you didn't need it in the winter. It just wasn't that humid, right? Mm -hmm. And think about that, $300, some shower curtains or whatever, but it was the watching and the noticing of the performance that was key there because the solution was an easy fix and not that expensive. But yeah. think about how many extra T-shirts an hour you could pump out of that machine just for that insight and then adjustment. Yeah, it's an interesting story because, you know, you're right. Lots of times the optimizations are not that hard, right? Like, yeah, we audited all our H1s and H2s and we recoded the site to be, you know, properly signal Google the right things. And we adjusted a couple for keywords. Like it took us a couple hours to fix it, but you know, it took us a lot longer to uncover it, which is exactly what you're describing. You know, I wish more people looked at their marketing kind of the way they look at their manufacturing. It would be, uh, there would be a lot more successful companies from a marketing perspective if they had that kind of perspective and patience around it for sure. Um, I do, before we get into questions, I want to talk a little bit about tools and technology here. So You know, there are a lot of technology tools that will allow you to get access to the data and do dashboards, right? Almost every CRM, almost every marketing automation tool, email marketing tool, social media management, all of these software tools, and there's thousands and thousands of thousands of them, they're all really good at showing you the data. Unfortunately, I don't think any of them are very good at telling you what to do with the data, which is why we have a product called MaxG that Square Two uses internally to help our clients that really all it does is identifies what could potentially be causing the data 
and then instructs our consultants to think in this particular direction so we can give our clients good advice. And there are more and more of tools like that coming out that can potentially uh, provide some of that insight. But right now, they're very few and far between. And I don't really see a lot of the major technology companies that concerned with providing that insight. They're still more concerned with providing the reporting and the dashboard features and and uh, either hoping or expecting people to be able to figure this out based on access to those dashboards. So that's something I would love to see the industry start getting a little bit more focused on. Could you imagine if your car LED readout had all sorts of like uh, viscosity levels on your oil and all these things that nobody was trained to understand. That's why a little red light goes on and says, change your oil, right? It's just giving you the solution to the insights that the computer analysis is providing. And I think you're right. If they would just finish, if, if data, if dashboards and visualization companies would just finish the job and say, look, I'll give you the data, but here's really what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's answer some questions. Love right, the I questions. Get, love the questions. So I got a question here from uh, Dion in Naperville, Illinois. It seems like a specialized skill set is required to uncover these insights. Can you talk more about how you can find this skill or develop it? So yeah, we, we didn't really go into this incredibly deep. So I will tell you that I, I don't think, yeah, we talked about like these these programs that some of the you know universities are rolling out, but I'm not sure that's really where I would go. I think you're really looking for someone that has had extensive experience doing this. Um, I think this is almost, I think it's Malcolm Goldwell, right? 10,000 10, hours. Is that, yep. is that his thing? Yeah. I think this is a 10,000 hours exercise. You need someone that has looked at data for 10,000 hours. And you know, question two is kind of related to this. This is from Cassandra in Bakersfield. She wants to know, does experience across companies and industry make it easier or harder to uncover these insights? And my, my opinion is when you've been looking at data at different companies in different industries uh, and different size companies and companies executing different kinds of programs, you get better at this. If you're only looking at one company and you've been looking at one company for you know five or six years, you are probably going to be awesome at that one company's insights, but I think it'll be a little harder for you to then look at a different company and a different industry. But if you've been looking at a lot of companies and a lot of industries over a lot of period of time, I think you've really been honing the skill that, that you need to uncover these insights. Would you agree with that? I would definitely agree with that. And it's not really the company. It's the unique buyer's journey, right? Because one company might have different channels than another. And I, well, I always look at these channels and now I got these other channels that we didn't even use at my other company. Now I have to start from the beginning and start to feel or understand exactly what's going on with those channels, right? Now, if you had, I move from one manufacturing company in my industry to the competitor, that might be a little easier. Yeah, I also think, and we, you know, I talk about someone who's very process oriented, but I also think you're looking for someone that is a little like a detective because- in a lot of these cases, you know, when I do this, I do kind of feel like I'm, you know, trying to figure out the murder, right? Like I start with this piece of information, I'm like, oh, okay, like, but that generally causes me to look at another piece of information, then another, because I'm like, oh, maybe I should go look over here. And I like open up this, and look at that a little bit. And you do kind of have to follow the breadcrumbs pretty aggressively till you get down to, to the insight. And it does require 
a lot of questioning. It requires a lot of review of the data and, and even some conversations with other people. Like, again, like if I was a detective, I might be talking to the coroner. I might be talking to the people that investigated the crime scene the first time, you know, who was the, the person that was there, you know, right after the crime was committed to, to kind of collect all the data to start to see what story is being told with the data. Um, so I do think you're going to need someone who can kind of patiently track down the data um, and peel back the onion and keep looking and looking and looking and looking until they think they have a, a hypothesis, kind of like our organic search example, you know, where we knew we needed it to perform better. We weren't exactly sure what was causing it. We've been basically uncovering issue after issue after issue, fixing them, watching the results, and waiting to see which of those particular fixes produces the most significant lift, right? And just like hunting down a murderer, I'm going to keep hunting down this issue until I find what's actually causing it. And then I'll get the benefit of watching the results track back up and to the right. So, um, you know, a lot of experiences is what you're looking for. Someone that is kind of obsessed with tracking down the truth uh, and someone that can apply a process. Like when we manage campaigns for clients, there is a framework that that campaign the campaign team utilizes and I think that's important too, kind of sticking to a framework of how you evaluate the information, the frequency of evaluating the information, the planning part of it, like, okay, well, what are we going to do next month that was different than last month? Those are all really important components if I'm looking for someone or a skill set for someone to do this for me at my company. I would definitely agree. I like your analysis, right? You're like the, um, you know, Columbo. You know, like, well, wait a minute, ask one more question and another question and another question, you know? Yeah, I mean, if your analysis is productive, it really is going to force you to ask additional questions, right? So like when, you know, when you learn something, you're like, okay, well, what about this? And that's another question that you're going to have to now track down and see what the answer is. So you do have to continue to be fastidious in terms of your questioning and answering and really, uh, uh and, and again, this process never ends, which is something I wish a lot of our clients would understand. Like, there's no pause in campaign execution. There's no pause in marketing to reflect and see what's going on. Like, this is something that you really have to invest in and work on every single month for the life of your company. Agreed. All right, I got That's a question here. Day. Like, I'm sorry, back to the machine, right? Yes. It's not like, oh, we oiled a machine last year. Right. Or it's not like, wow, that machine did a good job last month. Let's turn it off this month. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you would never do that. And it's really the same thing here. Like we used to, you know, we, we don't really talk about this concept of the marketing machine much anymore. It's kind of gotten stepped on by a bunch of other things we talk about, but it's still such a good metaphor for what they, what, what people really should be thinking. Your marketing is a machine and the machine has to run every single month and you have to maintenance it and feed it and take care of it and add on to it and optimize its performance. That's really the, the only way you're going to get results for marketing. Any other thinking around that is, is going to be flawed. Agreed. All right. I got a question from excellent point of Verde speech. He wants to know uh, once these insights are uncovered, they should inform an action plan. What would that look like? Is it a monthly plan? Is it something more specific like AB testing um, you got an answer for Axel? Well, I don't think it's A-B testing because A-B testing is trying to isolate one variable, you know, and that you're matching up against each other. So 
I think it's more of that ongoing uh, flavor of optimization as opposed to a, you know, challenge match between two variables. What do you think? I mean, I think you're right. I, I do think it's possible that, you know, he's asking about the action plan, right? So that means th that that tells me that the insights have been uncovered, right? Hey, this isn't working. This is working, but it could be working better. This is working great, right? That's to me what insights generally mean. So, you know, I could take an A-B test. I could run an A-B test as an action plan just to see if, you know, landing page A works better than landing page B. You know, Which, I would- by the way, just doing that, if you don't do anything now would be a step up. It would be a big one too. But, you know, that to me would be part of optimization, right? I want to learn something from that A-B test. I want to learn something around like how my prospects are interacting with these landing pages. And I want to be able to apply that learning to ongoing landing pages, right? So- like we talk a lot about, you know, making website copy about the prospect, not about the customer, uh, not about the company, right? So if I rewrote the landing page, it was all about the prospect and I was comparing it to a landing page, it was all about me, you know, I could find out that this page does twice as good as the old page. That's a, that's a very important learning that you can then apply to so many other things, website pages, blog articles, emails, you know, literally everything. So, you know, <laughs> While we've been telling you that, maybe you have to find it out for yourself. It's another good example of like an insight that might uncover itself if you ran an A-B test as part of your action plan. I think typically action plans with marketing people are more, like we talked earlier, random acts of marketing or just a collection of things that need to get done, All right? We're going to the trade show. I need a presentation. Okay, I finished it. Check. You know, we're going to a trade show, the sales reps need whatever, right? Like a, a brochure. Okay, check. Um, make sure you have the email set up so when we come back from the trade show with our 100 leads, we can just load them into our tool. And we can, okay, check. Like, that's what most marketing people do. And I think that's not going to produce the kind of results that people are expecting marketing to produce. And to your point earlier, like, their bosses have to give them time to do the other stuff too. It can't all be about those, the, the, the stuff that they're producing. Most of their activities should be more about optimizing campaign performance and driving results, even though that's much harder. Yeah. All right. I got a question here from Kiernan in, uh, in the UK. Look, you're, you're reaching across the pond, Eric. Hello, mate. <laughs> how do we know how how do we know what dashboards to create you guys have a standard do you guys have a standard set of them that you use for clients uh this is really more of your area um i would say that i would try not to bite off more than i could chew or analyze more than i have time to help or improve that would be my uh, two yeah. cents but you could take that one yeah, we, we, we do. A, so this is a good question, actually. And we, when, with our clients, we do what we call a dashboard workshop, which actually starts with, tell us what questions you have, right? Dashboards are supposed to answer questions. So what do you want to know? Do you want to know how many leads you're getting? Do you want to know where the leads are from? Do you want to know what your close rate is? Do you want to know what your close rate is this month versus last month? Do you want to know how long it's taking you to close? Do you want to know which reps are closing better than others? Do you want to know how many leads are getting assigned to which rep? Like, like, Dashboards typically start with what questions you need answered. And, you know, typically there are um, some questions that are highly popular and some questions that are a little more obscure. Like, 
if the entire leadership team wants to know about the performance of the sales reps, they're all going to kind of, you know, vote for that sales related dashboard. So that would be one I would start with. You know, you may have more obscure dashboards that maybe only marketing is interested in and the rest of the company is not equally important. But, you know, if only one person is going to be using that versus six people, you know, I would push that dashboard to the back of the bus. Again, not that I don't want to do it, but I, I want to start with the data that that most of the people are looking for inside the company. So that's generally how I would think about dashboards. Some of those questions could be answered with standard dashboards. Like a lot of these tools have standard dashboards that come with it. Like, you know, a dashboard right out of HubSpot is how many people came to my website how many uh, marketing qualified leads did I get? How many customers did I get? And you can look at that all the time from a variety of different timeframes. So, you know, if that's a question that people are asking, well, that's going to take no work to, to do those dashboards. But, you know, some of the others that I rattled off are probably going to take a little more effort, uh, not good or bad, but that's typically what I would start with. What questions are people asking? We often sometimes refer to this as use cases, like what, what data do people want to know about the performance of marketing and then start creating those dashboards first. That's not going to help you really with your insights issue because it's possible that as a result of looking at those dashboards that the company is asking for, you're going to want to look at different dashboards that uncover some of those insights. Like for instance, I sometimes look at how is the Square2 site doing on a daily basis. And that might seem strange, but if I can compare how we're doing this week to how we did last week and how we did the week before, I'll have a little bit of insight into what that trend is. If I see that we're down this week versus last week, and there's so much that goes into this because like coming off of the July 4th holiday, the week after July 4th, like we just you know, we had a down week, like there's nothing, there's no marketing program to get people to step out of their vacation and start looking for a marketing company. So you just have, what if we did the plane <laughs> that pulls your message across the beach? Right. And I know you per, per, uh, personally are hopping on your phone immediately to follow up on that the airplane message, right? Um, oh, they could drag a giant QR code and you could take a picture of it. Right. Right. The plane would probably crash, but that would be interesting. Um, so there's just so many variables that go into looking at this data. It's hard to specifically answer this question, but you know, a great place to start is asking people what questions they have and then answering those questions with a dashboard. And then from there, you'll, you'll, you'll dig into the insights and you'll probably have another six or seven dashboards that you need to help you uncover your insights. Uh, okay, so I got a question here from Stone in Las Vegas. Are there any software tools that make these insights easy to uncover? We talked about that a little bit. Unfortunately, I think the answer is no. There are a lot of software tools that will show you data and help you visualize data. There are very few tools that will help you uncover insights. I, I, I look if if someone's listening or watching and you have a different perspective on this, you know, uh, email me or or, or uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or whatever, and I'd be more than interested in looking at the software tools that uncover these insights. But I have been approached by other companies that have these tools. I have looked at a lot of them. None of them are really prepared to provide the kind of insights that I think someone with the experience uh, who's been doing this for, for 10 years, it's just very hard to match that. And I know there's a lot of artificial intelligence that's getting applied here, but I just still don't think these tools are ready for prime time. I think you're gonna need someone that has done this before 
for multiple companies and in multiple industries and has a track record and can, can literally tell you what those insights were and what the impact on the company was when those insights were uncovered and acted on. That's really what you're asking for, that we should be asking for if you're looking for this skill set in either a, an agency or in a, a hire that you're planning on making. All right, I got a question from Valerie in Fargo, North Dakota. Do you see any trends in the insights you uncover? <clears throat> Meaning, are there macro insights or micro company-specific insights? It's kind of an interesting question. Um, the, the, the answer is, yeah, there, there are different kinds of insights and, and their trends. And if we want to stick to this, you know, organic search trend, there are a lot of trends associated with organic search related to um, page speed and page performance. Google's run two algorithm updates, one about seven or eight months ago and one about two or three months ago that both started looking at the, the performance of your pages for uh, desktop and for mobile. And that would be an example of a more of a macro insight. Like if you saw a drop in, in visitors re resulted to organic and a lot of companies did, even big companies, you know, have reported they've seen drops. That's because their site isn't optimized anymore for what Google is looking for. So that would be an example of a macro trend that is affecting a lot of people. Um, a micro trend that might be affecting just you could be the, you know, the, the insight around the performance of your H1s and H2s. So if those aren't tagged properly, um, and Eric, you do a lot of uh, analysis of prospects websites in terms of what the way it was set up to be optimized on search. There are a lot of websites that are not, were not properly built to um, point Google in the right direction or leverage their the keywords that they want to be found for, that would be an example of a company specific insight that might be different from one company to the next. Yeah, I would put it at 75% of all companies I analyze, whether it's meta descriptions, keywords, H1s, H2s, they're not set up correctly. Right. And, you know, you're going to oh, not set up correctly or missing altogether. Right. And look, we could talk about, we could talk about any tactic. You're going to have the same issues. Like if we're talking about email, as a tactic, it's a very common campaign tactic. You know, if you're not following proper privacy um, regulations today, you may find yourself in a bit of a pickle with your email provider, right? So, you know, that's something to consider. Uh, if you're not personalizing your campaigns, um, you may have a very low open rate, which could trigger the email provider to start to tell you that, look, you're, you're emailing a lot of people and they're not engaging. So you have to now uh, remove these people from your email list because they're unengaged. And that's a, that's a trend we're seeing more and more. These email providers are kind of forcing us to stop emailing people who are not clicking on your emails, which means the quality of your email, the length of your email, the links you're using, the subject line all have become instantly much more important if you want to continue to email those people. You could see your list go from 50,000 to 10,000 in an afternoon if they've decided that 40,000 people on your list are unengaged and you're not no longer allowed to email them. So that would be a micro, a macro example that you could be facing from an insights perspective. Um, and then the, the micro version of that is you really need to personalize 
your emails and track the performance of them by segment, by sector, by role, by, by vertical. The more personal you get on your email campaigns, the better they're going to perform and the less issue you'll have from a, you know, an ongoing email perspective. Yep. Okay. Um, so this is going to be an obvious one, but we'll answer it anyway, because it's really the theme of the show. This is from Faunus in South Africa. Look at us, international reach. <laughs> How significant is uncovering these insights to getting results from your revenue generation efforts? Eric, you can comment, but I'll tell you, Faunus, it's everything. This is the secret sauce, right? You know, it's not about, do, do I need a website? Do I need email? Do I need social? Do I need search? Do I need you know, targeted outreach by sales? Do I need, you know, good sell? Yes, yes, yes to all those things. But, you know, if you're, if you're looking to really move the needle, then uncovering these insights and leveraging them into a month over month action plan, it's, it's everything. If you can't do that on your own, if your current agency isn't doing that, if your consultants aren't doing that, if your outsourced CMO isn't doing it for you, you're, you're really missing the key piece of the puzzle here. And you're probably always going to have a me mediocre program that kind of just, you know, limps along and that might be okay for you if you, you know, you're just getting started with this, but eventually someone's going to want to know what are we getting for this and, and how can we improve performance? And these insights are really the secret sauce. Yeah. I, I, you know, the limp along comment, I just want to circle back to that. Like, some companies are okay with just, you know, basic performance. So I think that this specific conversation are for companies that really want to get to that next plateau, you know, to have uh, a tolerance for average performance is really up to the leadership team of each individual company. So the whole conversation we're having now over the last 56 minutes is simply for companies that are like, I got to get to the next level. I got to generate more leads. I, I can't hire any more salespeople. I got to depend on marketing to, you know, carry the weight. Could not agree more. All right, I got one more question from Ricardo in Madrid, and then we'll wrap it up. So Ricardo wants to know, how come more people aren't talking about this? Most of the stuff I read is about execution, not leveraging data to push optimization. So you're a pretty smart guy. You got a theory on this? Uh, it's hard. Uh, it takes time and money. Uh, it takes studying. Uh, it's, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, it? You know, reaching for a new plateau where other people are satisfied with the status quo. You know, it's like we talk about being remarkable, right? It's hard to be remarkable and it's hard to develop the remarkables and introduce them every 90 days in quarterly campaigns. The companies that don't want to put forth that effort, they're okay with that. But for the companies that really want to get to the next level, they have to roll up their sleeves and get in there. It's the same thing here. I mean, look, we are a little bit um, skewed in our focus. We're the marketing people. We're like, this is the top priority. But if you think about it from a holistic approach of running a business, there's operations, there's finance, there's HR. So many things are pulling at the attention of the leadership team. Marketing you know, might not be the first and foremost thing. But for companies that understand, like, we want to go from 50 million to 100 million by 2025, this is mission critical. Yeah, there's a lot to this question. Um, it, it, it's, it really goes all the way back, you know, almost to the beginning of time from a marketing perspective. Like, marketing for the longest time was not a quantitative exercise. 
You know, no one said to the marketing people, you know, how are we doing this month from a revenue perspective? That question was all on sales. Sales was the only people responsible for revenue. They carried the, the, they carried the cross and they lived or died on it, right? If they had a good month, sales got all the credit. If they had a crappy month, sales got all the heat. Marketing kind of skated for years and years and years and years and years, just showing up with the trade show booth and putting out some press releases and, you know, getting the website up. So, and honestly, I think a lot of marketing people liked it. It was a nice, safe kind of fun, creative job for creative people to, to be in. And, you know, no one was really hassling them around performance and ROI on investment. So, you know, you have a lot of people in this field that were not brought up to really have any tune to data and, and performance. And now overlay on top of that, the things we've been talking about today on how complicated it is and how smart you need to be in so many areas and the application of technology, like you just have a perfect storm of convergence that makes this extremely difficult for people to, to A, know what to do, or B, be able to do it successfully. And because of that, Ricardo, I think a lot of people don't want to talk about it. A lot of people would prefer to talk about websites and social media advertising and influencers and TikTok and videos and all those things that everyone really kind of sees all the time and understands digging out an insight and applying it to, you know, an optimization plan to improve performance month over month. It, it, it's not that sexy, like, yeah, it's going to produce results and it should be what you're focused on, but it's not really what people want to marketing. People want to talk about, unfortunately. TikTok's more fun. Yeah. And with that, I'll wrap it up. Really good session. Eric. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate your insight on this. Um, let me just remind everybody, if you want to catch the show, head on over to YouTube. It'll be up tomorrow, Square Two Marketing Channel. Like us, subscribe, give us your comments. If you want to see all of our Square Two's audio and video content, head on over to Square Two Plus. It's at the Square Two Marketing website, backslash Square Two PLUS, and you can su subscribe to that free streaming service. And if you want to answer, uh, have us answer some questions like Ricardo and uh, Fonis and all of our international fans here, then go to the link at the bottom of our website, What's Wrong With Revenue, click on it, and you can submit questions there. You can also get the show on your calendar if you want to join us live, and you can even get the show emailed directly to you right there. Uh, it's quick and easy. Like I said, we're off next week. We're going to take a break for the show for one week. We'll be back the week after that where we talk about marketing and operations function as an important piece of the puzzle here. We'll kind of extend this conversation into a little more um, uh, what does a marketing operations person do and how does it help your company next uh, in two weeks. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Really appreciate it. And we will see you uh, in a couple of weeks. Take care.